listening to the Neophotonics Podcast. Welcome to the Neophotonics Podcast. I'm John Houghton, and this is a program where we talk about insights and best practices for optical communications, lasers, and their applications. On the line with me are Winston Way, Mark Stiller, and Ferris Lipscomb. How are you guys doing today? Fine. Right. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good. good. Well, we're talking about the 400ZR and ZR Plus optical transceivers, how they're defined, how they're used, the impact they'll have in the next few years, how they'll be deployed, and their challenges. And today we're going to do something a little bit different, and that is we're going to have the first part, more of the advanced material for the people that are full-time in optical networking and making a career out of it. And then the second part, we'll have the tutorial for the folks that are coming up to speed and want to learn more about optical networking. And the latter part, we'll be asking more about what are the distances for ZR, modulation types, form factors, what's the difference between front hall and back hall, and things like that. First question from Mark. What do 400ZR and ZR Plus mean? In other words, what do they stand for, respectively? Well, it's pretty straightforward, John. 400ZR stands for 400 gigabit per second transmission over a ZR reach, which is 80 to 120 kilometers. The plus in 400ZR Plus refers to extended reach in general. So still 400 gigabit per second, but over you know reaches up to typically 400 kilometers are what people consider 400 ZR plus. And then there's also um, a lot of work going on to try and define sub 400 gig transmission um, for very specific applications. Um, but in general, it just means longer reach. Some people even say 400 ZR plus can go beyond 1000 or 1500 kilometers. Yeah. I th and I think that's what the, you know, kind of the, the lower data rate implementations are, are focused around, right? Like 100 gig long haul, things like that, but still in, in, the, in the small form factors. Yes, it's an, I think an important point is that when people say 400 ZR, they mean the type of transmission that's been standardized by the um, Optical Internetworking Forum or OIF, so that, um, you know, transceivers you know, would be able to interact or interoperate with each other um, from different manufacturers. For 400ZR+, Plus, it means a lot of different things. And while there are some um, standardization efforts underway, um, it covers such a wide territory that there's no real, um, you know, it means whatever the hearer wants it to mean or whatever the speaker wants it to mean rather than a, a specific uh, defined thing. Yeah, there's this uh, MSA called uh, OpenZR, that covers the ZR plus yes, technical but, specs, right? Yeah, it covers certain uh, use cases for ZR plus, but not every um, thing that people are using ZR plus for. Where will the 400 ZR and ZR plus be used? So the, the main application in the short term for 400 ZR is in data center interconnects. Okay, so we've you know what we've talked about in the past in, in interconnecting data centers within a region. Um, we think there's further application, you know, for example, in doing um, aggregation for wireless backhaul. Um, if you take a look at how 5G, how the 5G architectures are evolving, there's one architecture called CRAN, where you would be aggregating front hall 25 gig links. Um, and then once you've aggregated a sufficient number, you need 400 gig backhaul transmission to, to carry sufficient level of data. 
So, you know, it's it's an example outside the initial deployments, but we think that there will be a lot of uses in, in network aggregation over these kind of distances. Um, ZR Plus opens up the applicant application space considerably um, into some types of metro networks, um, even even into long haul networks, because of the the performance that the uh, newest newest versions of the transceivers are capable of. Winston, yeah, 400 ZR um, would be a, I think would be a main uh, vehicle to carry. Um, 400 gigabit data in uh, for data center interconnection starting next year. But uh, I, I think uh, 400 ZR plus um, may be favored by um, telecom guys and uh, uh, you know some some uh, 5G uh, service providers and so on. It's more telecom applications, I think. Yeah, I, th I think it has a, you know, it's much more slanted towards fitting into kind of the existing way of deploying networks, right? Yeah. How about you, Ferris? Yeah, so I think it's, um, you know, 400ZR is obviously the near-term high-volume application. 400ZR uh, Plus, you know, can be used in a lot of different um, implementations and networks uh, because of its greater capability. But, you know, almost by definition, those, you know, are more varied and therefore, um, you know, lower volume to higher volume, depending on the particular application and happening, happening later in time. So 400ZR we think will be um, coming on stream in the middle of next year, 2021, whereas ZR Plus probably will not hit volume until 2022. Mark, what do you think the impact of 400ZR and ZR Plus could be in the next few years? Well, I think in the next year, as Faris said, the, the impact of 400ZR is going to be a significant reduction in total costs for the data center, um, what they call their metro transport. Um, and the reason for that is that this is really designed to plug directly into the top layer of switches that are used in the data center switching networks. Um, what it can do is replace traditional transport gear um, which is an extra layer, extra layer of cost, extra layer of complexity um, that are, that's currently being deployed for this application. Okay. So I think it's going to drive, it's going to allow the data centers to really match and drive this huge growth of traffic, not only for, you know, the traditional applications, social media, video, um, and, and data, but also for AI applications as well. ZR Plus will come on, I think, slower and in, in more granular, you know, kind of individual implementation cases. But I think over the long run, this can, the impact of this can be just as big as the impact of 400ZR in data centers. And really for the same reason, because the current generation of modules that are being developed have very similar performance to kind of the traditional transport systems. Um, maybe not in the ultra long haul submarine reach cases, but I think for the majority of applications, um, the performance that, that we're able to, you know, we're able to drive to at 400 gig and lower data rates is going to be very competitive with, with people consider traditional transport. And you can eliminate the extra layer 
of equipment to provide that that link directly into switches and routers. So uh, short answer, big. Winston, anything to add to that regarding the impact? Yeah, I think what uh, Mark said covered uh, pretty much it. Uh, pretty much the the whole picture. Only thing is that I would say this is a uh, um, first time coherent pluggable transceivers uh, come to the market with a, such a, a small form factor. You know, helping the routers to increase their port density and transmission distance, uh, and the uh, the high possible possibility to replace the uh, traditional optical transport network equipment. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a big step uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the consideration of uh, uh, either the DCI or telecom network. Uh, it's a big step because the capacity and uh, poor density it brings to, and also cost it brings to the network. Yes, I don't think it's... Um, um you know, possible to overstate the importance of this change. I mean, when you think about what you're doing, you're taking um, a coherent long distance, you know, 80 to 200 to maybe a thousand kilometers with CR plus and taking that coherent transmission system and putting into a pluggable transceiver that was designed um, to go 500 meters or something like that. So it's, you know, putting a long haul or metro or long haul uh, transmission box into a transceiver that uh, you know was originally intended to just be inside the data center, going a few hundred meters. So it's a real game changer in terms of the way networks are deployed. Yeah, and and you know just to put it into perspective, it, it's that and something about the size of your thumb. So Mark, um, in you know some applications, only a hundred gigabits is required. Can those also be done in these small form factor pluggables? Um, for instance, five uh, G backhaul. Yeah, it's a good question, Ferris. Um, one of the things that we've learned about 5G is there's a lot of different architectures depending on where and when it gets deployed. So in the absolute most dense of cases, as you said, the antennas don't cover very much area. So in very dense cities, you might expect to see a lot of antennas being aggregated into the backhaul network, um, in which case you need very high bandwidth. Where that bandwidth is over a short reach, you might use client optics, but over longer reaches, you have to use coherent like 400ZR. If you get to areas with less aggregation density um, or in, in 4G networks with higher aggregation density, you don't need quite as much bandwidth. So 100 gig is applicable. When the reaches are long enough, absolutely coherent applies. And it's the same transceiver simply with the... Um, the data rate scaled down in the transceiver. Yeah, and also this uh, uh, the importance for 400ZR to uh, to reach a high volume is that because its uh, uh, cost per gigabit is probably is is even better than today's 100 gigabit uh, transceivers. So I, we think that 400 Z 400ZR has a potential to have a very uh, wide applications because of its cost advantage. Mark, what are some of the challenges with the 400ZR and ZR Plus? 
So, you know, there, there's a couple of challenges in you know, d designing these modules because they're so space constrained and power constrained relative to previous generations, which could take up to five to 10 times the physical space and consume five to 10 times the amount of power for the same performance. Um, we're forced to use very highly integrated technology. Okay. So to achieve the kind of performance that we need um, for 400 ZR, there, there is a very simple line system implemented. And that in turn challenges the transmit optical power. You know, in traditional coherent optics, you can have a big line card with an integrated EDFA, you know, and just keep pouring power in in order to get the output power. And that's always been the traditional approach. For 400 ZR to get the cost per bit, the power consumption form factor in place, we have to rely on the intrinsic quality of the optics that we use, especially on the integrated optical side. You know, fortunately, you know, Neo has very good lasers, um, but it, you know, I think for everybody across the board, this is the big challenge. Um, for 400 ZR plus, you also add in. Um, challenges for uh, you know out-of-band OSNR because these are typically deployed into longer links. Um, so you need better out-of-band OSNR. You need also need better back-to-back OSNR performance because you're going through chains of amplifiers. The ASE noise adds up. You know, kind of a traditional network engineering problem. Um, you know, f in this case, having high bandwidth um, in the tra transmit um, side is very beneficial. You know, Neo has always been a leader in, you know, high bandwidth, basically high bandwidth optics. So we've tried to bring that characteristic into even our most compact form factors. So Mark, um, you know, I know it's a big challenge to fit all the coherent uh, optics and the electronics into the, um, into the small form factor pluggable the size of your thumb. But I understand that it's even harder to um, get the power dissipation down low enough to fit into that uh, category. Is that true? Yeah, Ferris, that's that's one of the big challenges for everybody. Um, you know, for, fortunately, the basic technology behind the signal processing the and the analog electronics has improved over time. Um, so within the QSFPDD form factor, we're able to balance the performance and power consumption to meet the needs of customers. Um, we've also seen for both DD, QSFP and OSFP, um, a lot of improvement in how switches are capable of dissipating power. So I think the, you know, the industry has converged on kind of a balance point between performance and power consumption. Um, again, having, having margin in the optics helps a great deal here, um, because it allows us to get the kind of optimized, optimized trade-offs for performance without pushing power to a point where people can no longer use it in the system. And because a lot of this is deployed in high density systems, it becomes even more critical. All right. Thanks, Mark. So we're going to try something new now. We're going to go into sort of the tutorial part of the program where I ask questions, more basic questions, and we go over things. So if you're more advanced and you know these things, then now is a good time to drop off and we'll catch you next time. And if you want to learn some more about optical networking, then stay with us.
with a 400ZR, uh, let's review. So what's the reach again? Is it 80 to 100 kilometers? Yeah, there are multiple use cases, uh, multiple, um, you know, that can be implemented for distances, as uh, I think Mark was saying, from, you know, 200 kilometers out to 1,000 kilometers or maybe more. So ZR is a shorter reach and ZR plus is a longer reach? Yes. So you can think of plus as going longer than ZR distances. So, you know, ZR is 80 to 120 kilometers. ZR plus is whatever um, is beyond that for a particular use case. Well, I always like more, so I'm going with a plus. It just costs more. <laughs> yeah. But of course, nothing comes for free. It costs more and, you know, sometimes the speed is less than 400 uh, gig as you go longer oh. distances. Is that because of modulation? No, it's because of the requirement on the signal-to-noise ratio. Yeah, the lower the data rate, uh, the lower is the requirement on signal-to-noise ratio. Therefore, you can go a longer distance. Uh, but, I, but I think 400ZR Plus is up to uh, different vendors' uh, implementation. So there may be uh, targets for, you know, like 1,500 kilometers, maybe target only for 400 kilometers. So it depends, yeah. Yeah, and also also on the data rate, right? What type of modulation does it use? So the, I mean, the implementation agreement is 16 QAM, right? 60, roughly 60 gigabaud, 16 QAM. It's very well defined. Um, in the ZR Plus, it opens up quite a bit. Um, for 400 gig, it's still, you still get best reach with 16 QAM. Um, but for the, you know, if you implement at a lower data rate, uh, you know, the way the MSAs have been written, then you may go to a different modulation format like QPSK or even AQAM, depending on, on how you decide to do it. So like for 1,000 to 1,500 kilometers, would that be like QPSK? Not necessarily. Uh, I think really depends on, uh, as I said, uh, hardware implementation, also uh, the uh, link or the transmission system, you know, how far the amplifiers are spaced uh, if the amplifiers are spaced very closely, I think you can even uh, transmit at uh, you know the same data rate as uh, the short distance. Uh, so it really depends on how the system is. Uh, I mean, the actual transmission system uh, looks like. Yeah. So yeah, that's why four hundred ZR is is much more. I guess much more tightly defined with OIF. Right. The the ZR plus is much. It's much more complicated. Right, much more dependent on the you know whoever's deploying it specifically, how they design and manage their networks, and then the hardware implementation, as Winston said on the uh, on the transceiver side. So, what form factor is that? So, OSFP and QSFP DD are both you know small pluggable form factors that people will be will be deploying um, at both four hundred GZR and four hundred GZR plus. And extensible, we think, in the long run to 800 gig as well. So a couple of weeks ago, somebody was asking me about wireless backhaul. What is wireless backhaul? So um, in, you know, in wireless, um, you know, transmission systems, whether it's, um, you know, 3G or LTE or now 5G, um, it's only wireless to the antenna. So, you know, it's wireless from your phone to the antenna but it's either wire or fiber um, everywhere else. So there's a link from the antenna um, to uh, what's called the base station, and that's you know, termed front hall. 
and then there's a link from the base station to um, the telecom central office where it gets on the telecom network, and that's called backhaul. And those are now um, almost all, uh, particularly with 5G, they're almost all fiber, um, and they can be either you know 25 gig or sometimes 50 gig in front hall, and now going to 100 gig and eventually 400 gig in backhaul because you're aggregating you know many different antennas. Um, so you know, when they talk about the wireless network, it's only wireless for, you know, a few hundred meters and then the rest of it's fiber all the way, um, you know, to the end destination. So, um, you know, wireless causes a lot of uh, fiber to be deployed. So wireless gets to the antenna. Wireless just gets to the antenna. Front hall takes the signals from the antenna uh, to the base station where they can be uh, manipulated. Um, and that's, you know, that can be copper, but it's more and more fiber now, um, especially at 5G, it's all fiber. Um, and then um, backhaul is, you know, t usually from multiple antennas, uh, taking the actual data and putting it, uh, connecting it to the rest of the network in a, in a central office somewhere. So what type of lengths are we talking about with front hall and backhaul? Um, well, front hall right now, it's uh, mainly, you know, 25 um, gigabits. Um, you know, going, you know, distances of, you know, 10 to 40 kilometers, um, you know, but usually less than that, you know, backhaul can be higher speeds and it can be um, hundred gig coherent, although it's often, um, you know, 50 gigabits um, also, but as, you know, 5G gets deployed and bandwidth move higher and higher, the need for higher bandwidth front haul and higher bandwidth backhaul um, will also accelerate. And there is, um, there are use cases uh, for 400ZR and possibly 400ZR plus, particularly in backhaul. So the backhaul could be anywhere from 40 kilometers to 1500? No, the backhaul is still on the order of 40 to 80 kilometers, but you know, you, you know, you might need more, um, um, you know, more bandwidth in there, depending on how many antennas you're um, aggregating. And, you know, with 5G, um, each antenna handles, you know, less area. So, um, so it tends to be much more aggregation. So what's the difference between backhaul and metro transport? Well, backhaul is specific to wireless, and it's just um, how the wireless signals are handled and, you know, transported on fiber from the base station near, you know, that controls the antennas back to a central office. Metro is a general, more general term for any traffic that's around a metro region. So distances of, um, you know, a few hundred kilometers. Um, so like around the Bay Area, um, you know, from here to San Francisco. And for our audience, we're in San Jose. So I guess there's a series of nodes that go from the front hall, and then it goes to some sort of switching office, turns into back hall, and then at some point that becomes metro? Yeah, I mean, metro is used for those distances um, that are typical of a metro region. Um, but for instance, you know, we talked about uh, data center interconnect connecting in two data centers. That's referred to as metro because it's over those relative distances. So there'd be multiple metro data centers in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they'd all be interconnected using data center interconnect, DCI. Yeah, so for instance, uh, you know, certain... Um, you know, hyperscale uh, data center operators, um, you know, don't have just one huge data center. They have a number of data centers scattered around a metropolitan area. And they are interconnected with very high bandwidth uh, connections so that they basically um, operate as one um, 
data center. And this is, um, you know, one of the key applications of 400ZR that we talked about at the beginning. Well, thanks, Ferris, for answering those questions. And let's call that a wrap. So thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Well, I hope you liked our tutorial session. If you did, please write to us at podcast at neophotonics.com or call and leave a message at 408-904-2401. You've been listening to the Neophotonics Podcast, your source for insight and best practices for optical communications, lasers, and their applications. If you have feedback, a comment, or a question for one of us to answer on the podcast, you can write to us once again at podcast at neophotonics.com or call and leave a message with your question and we'll play it on the air at 408-904-2401. We hope you communicate with us and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us.